Hi, this is Big Talk. Michael Glab here. I'm producer and host of this program. I've been involved with WFHB since a scant two months after I arrived in this town in 2009. I've worked under a succession of news directors who helped me develop the idea for this casual yet informative interview program. I can't tell you how thankful I am for all their help and support. That's what we do here with your help and support. So I won't complain if you take a minute during this week's edition to go to WFHB.org to make a safe, secure donation during this year's Spring Fun Drive. Just click on the big red Donate button and follow the prompts. It's easy and it's the right thing to do if you enjoy the finest in Bloomington's 24-hour, 7-days-a-week music, news, public affairs, and entertainment radio programming. That's WFHB.org and click on the big red donate button. Now this week on Big Talk, it's my co-host Alex Ashkin's turn. So thanks for listening and please donate now. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of Big Talk. I'm your guest host Alex Ashkin. I hope you're having a lovely evening. Tonight's guest is Steve Scott. He is the former owner of Monroe County Martial Arts. He is also a outspoken community member, actor, and just a man about town. He, he's quite the character. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. I'm a man about town. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah, so I've never been described that way before. Well, prior to COVID, right. I feel like you you were, you know, showing up at different events, what have you, and you were yeah. always sort of happy to give your own opinion. I, I think you've never been shy to give it. I feel, no, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> quite true. But I feel rather sophisticated now as a man about town. Mm-hmm. So Steve first, Scott, man about town. As I mentioned, you are now the semi-retired owner of MCMA, Monroe County Martial Arts, one of several right. martial arts studios here in Bloomington. It was founded mm-hmm. in 1991 alongside your lovely wife, Linda Scott. You guys operated up through 2020, and you unfortunately had to close in the summer of 2020 due to all the complications relating to COVID-19. Beyond that, you're a military history buff, a Marine, a wargaming enthusiast, particularly games like Stratego or Easy Eights, which you were lucky enough to introduce me to in my youth, and a community actor. Is there anything else that I'm missing? No, a longtime Bloomington resident. I came here uh, to go to uh, college in 1976 and uh, pretty much lived the rest of my life after that here in Bloomington. So, yeah, you pretty much hit it on the mark. So, first, let's uh, sort of start with your youth and – uh, your history with the military. Your father 
John Alden Scott was a World War II veteran, a Marine, and a one-star general with the Marine Reserves. Even after his time serving both active and within the reserves, he seemed really active in whatever community he was in. Right. He was the mayor of South Bend from mm-hmm. 1952 to 56, became involved in journalism as a newspaper publisher, uh, which took you guys from Indiana to Washington State and then eventually settling in Honolulu, Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up working with the precursor to what became Gannett Media. Well, he, um, he was working for Gannett Newspapers in Honolulu and oh, in yeah. Washington State. After his, his tour there as publisher of the Honolulu Star Bulletin, they placed him as head of the Gannett Newspaper Foundation, which is a philanthropic arm of the, uh, w- which was the philanthropic arm of Gannett Newspapers. It is now known as the Freedom Foundation. Oh. And, you know, uh, he was a philanthropist giving money away to, say, schools for scholarships for journalists and or journalism students and that sort of thing. Yeah. And then uh, retired in fully retired in 1986 and passed away shortly after that. Sounds like a guy who always just loved to work and was always moving. Oh, yeah. He opened up a lot of doors for me as far as, you know, uh, adventures in life. Uh, many of my travels are due to my father. Uh, like, for instance, he took me to a bunch of uh, stopping grounds in World War II. We toured the Pacific and, you know, went to Guam, where he was there for the liberation of Guam. We went there for a Marine reunion and the 40th anniversary of the liberation of Guam. And, you know, I've been to Samoa. I've been to uh, Island Hop, some of the islands that he was on and stuff like that. It was, it was a pretty interesting experience. While he was working at the Honolulu Star Bulletin, you were sort of in your teenage years. And High school. At the time, you actually attended Punahou School. Punahou, yeah. Punahou, Punahou. excuse yeah, it's me. really hard. I wear the Punahou sweatshirt around town, and people always say, what's Punahou? And it says, Punahou. Uh, <laughs> it's a college preparatory school, probably the finest one west of the Rockies. Uh, he got me into the private schools after I had some negative experiences in the public schools, which were pretty rough at the time. So I got into Puno and had a very fine education. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, it's uh, noted for some famous luminaries that came from it. Let's see, uh, Buster Crabb, who used to play Tarzan and, and Flash Gordon, he oh, wow. graduated from Punahou. Let's see, uh, John Travolta's recently passed away wife, Kelly Preston, was a Punahou mm-hmm. grad. A guy from the class ahead of me married Sigourney Weaver. A guy from the class behind me, Steve Case, founded America Online. His brother was in my homeroom. Then, of course, there was, you know, Barack Obama, who yeah. uh, everybody called Barry back then. Now, I didn't know him. He was coming in as a freshman uh, the year I graduated. So I knew people that knew him, but I never met him myself. One of the things that actually seems so interesting about Punahou is that it, it was a Almost like kind of, I don't want to say a magnet school, but it really did seem to attract not only really those who are connected, but really talented folks and a a really pretty diverse crowd of people. Do you think spending this time, particularly sort of these formative years, your teenage years in Hawaii with this like unique group of individuals, a lot of driven folks that changed your outlook 
as an individual? Possibly. I think the diversity of the Hawaiian Islands, including the Punahou School, uh, opened my eyes to a lot of things. For instance, I was exposed to Asian culture, like you know, most kids on the mainland are not, unless you grow up, say, in certain parts of Los Angeles or maybe in New York. So I think that was enlightening and illuminating. Traveling with my dad and also traveling in the military exposed me to different cultures as well. It's like Mark Twain said, uh, travel is fatal to prejudice. And so I think what he meant by that is it opens your eyes to uh, different cultures and uh, engenders respect in you for people from different backgrounds. Beyond that, uh, you also served in the Marine ROTC program, or Junior ROTC program. Oh, at the Punahou School, the Junior ROTC program was run by the Arm. And uh, some of my best friends to this day were in that ROTC unit with me. In fact, uh, my battalion commander, when I was in Junior ROTC, is, uh, works for the NIH. And he's, he's very instrumental in, in uh, helping develop the vaccines and how to fight COVID. Yeah, named Nelson Michael. Yeah, in fact, uh, those are lifelong friendships and stuff. Uh, just three or four years ago, I traveled to Belgium, and uh, we did Nelson and me and another Punahou grad, a guy named Tom Farrell. Both of these guys are retired colonels in the United States Army. We went to Belgium and did a Battle of the Bulge tour. It was oh, wow. fantastic. And Nelson introduced me to Paris. You know, I never thought I'd be a Paris guy. Guess what? I get to Paris, and yeah, I'm a Paris guy. I guess maybe I am a man about town. <laughs> <laughs> man of the world, even, perhaps. At least when it's Paris. Oh, yeah. Yeah. After graduating from Punahou, which I believe was 75? 75. Then four years in the Marines? I joined the Marine Reserves while I was at Punahou in something called a 270-day delay program. And then I went to boot camp the summer after I graduated. And then I went back into the Marine Reserves and was allowed to you know, do things like go to college attend drills, go to college. And um, then I joined the Marine platoon leaders class, which is a Marine Corps officer training program where you go two six week sessions. And so I had a bunch of basic training. I, I went to boot camp, didn't start college right away in the reserves. I, I went to uh, the army airborne jump school, uh, got my parachute parachutist badge, basic parachutist badge, got an assignment to go to scuba school, but it turned out that I I couldn't see well enough for it. So I got washed out from that and then um, went to college, uh, was in the reserves briefly before joining platoon leaders class. And then I did two six week sessions were essentially boot camp for officers. So I had a lot of basic training. I had 12 weeks of boot camp, and then I had 12 weeks of officer boot camp <laughs> by the time I graduated from college. So I started and, off at the university of Washington and then oh. came to Bloomington and transferred to Indiana university. My dad convinced me finally to come back to Indiana because I had family that could you know, keep an eye on me and make sure I stayed out of trouble. Here in Gold Bloomington, you double majored in English and journalism. Mm -hmm. Anyone who like knows you, you're the, a voracious reader, both news, nonfiction, fiction, just about anything before we started recording you're discussing about how you need to get your new bookshelves up uh yeah. mostly for recording purposes to help reduce the echo but i'm sure also having them in the background will make you you know reinforce that title of man about town and enlightened erudite in a individual <laughs> 
I might have around 500 books, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's the numbers going down a little bit because we moved to a new home, but yeah, I've got to definitely get those books up. And if I turn it into a recording studio, it'll help dampen some of the echo back there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty voracious reader. Books have been a part of my life. And part of that, you know, is due to my dad. You know, my dad was a very literate guy. He graduated cum laude from Notre Dame with a degree in English. And that's not why I went into English. I went in because I had an attraction to books and writing and reading. And uh, the journalism, that was kind of an afterthought. I almost majored in theater. You know, it's, um, I said, what am I going to do? I was here in my sophomore year. In, in Bloomington, I said, am I going to do the theater route or am I going to do the journalism route? And then I thought, you know, I can't really think what it was that motivated me to go the journalism route, but I took some theater classes anyway, but it was a, it was a good decision on my part. I think I've never used my degrees anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like these days it's more and more rare that people uh, have that perfect alignment between career and education. <laughs> Well, I'm of the opinion that you always use your education when you mm-hmm. walk into a voting booth. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's, it's whatever I, I, as I walk into that voting booth, whatever I've, I've spent, you know, time either being formally taught or uh, teaching myself, it's, it bears fruit when I cast that ballot. During this time, you are a part of IUTKD the Indiana University Taekwondo Club, and you serve as the club president from 77 through 79. Now, at this point, had you already attained your first black belt? Or like, this obviously is sort of a clear sign that you had already been kind of dove head first into martial arts. Yeah, I I got my black belt you know, right towards the end of my time at Indiana University and stuff. And so I was involved in, as university club president, I think I was probably a brown belt when I started doing that. You didn't have to be a black belt. Mm-hmm. And I taught a few classes over there and started teaching also too at the Bloomington Martial Arts Academy, which was run by a, a Korean master named Duck Lee back in the day. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people who are listening to this might remember his school was that uh, used to be a church, a little white churchy looking building over on first street, just next to the hospital. It's since been torn down, but old timers will remember it and remember his school there. And uh, so I would train there. I would train at the club. I did a little bit of teaching at both places as well. At this point, does this interest in martial arts start really building or were you kind of having other ideas of what your life might be like? What was the young Steve Scott hoping to do with his life at this point? Well, you know, my interest in the martial arts sparked in Hawaii. Actually, as a kid, you know, when you were growing up in the 60s and stuff, my friends would always talk about how, oh, man, have you seen the Green Hornet? It's like, there's this guy, Bruce Lee, and he does Kung Fu. And it's like, I always wanted to watch the Green Hornet. But my, my parents wouldn't let me stay up late enough to watch Bruce Lee on the Green Hornet. I think I got to see one Green Hornet episode. Mm. And I thought Bruce Lee was the bomb, you know, so I had to settle for Batman with Burt Ward and, it, yeah. and uh, Adam West. And it, it, my interest was stoked then as a child. I really wanted to do martial arts, but I lived in West Lafayette, Indiana, and it's like there was no martial arts there. When we got to Hawaii, you know, I was having some problems in the public schools with bullying and the like. And so when we got to, uh, got to Punahou, they had an uh, 
a gym class where you could take an elective martial arts class. And I signed up for it, got a couple of friends to sign up for it. And then went and started studying Shotokan karate, got a green belt in that by the time I graduated from Punahou. And then when I got to Indiana University, I continued my training. I did it also too at the University of Washington. I got into Taekwondo and I knew I was going to go in the Marine Corps after college. And the Taekwondo was just something I did. It was a passion. I planned on continuing studying no matter what. Mm-hmm. After I got out of the Marine Corps, I came back to Bloomington specifically so I could train with my instructor mm-hmm. in Taekwondo. And after I got out of the Marine Corps, I, could, I was kind of lost for a while. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I worked various odd jobs. I got into a graduate program. That didn't work out. Now, I uh, moved out to San Francisco briefly for two years and then came back to Bloomington, met Linda, my wife, started settling down. And I was still teaching, still active in the martial arts, probably hitting my prime. Uh-huh. as far as my physical abilities. Uh, I was in my late 20s, early 30s. And then she convinced me to start our own program. Yeah, and we opened up Monroe County Martial Arts in 91. It was the same year we got married. We got married in uh, February of 91, and we opened up Monroe County Martial Arts in November. She really pushed you to actually take that leap of faith, in a sense. Yeah, Linda, Linda pushed me. She she realized it was the one thing that I truly deeply loved. I mean, I love many things uh, that I've done in, in my adventures in life and stuff, but this was the, my one big passion mm-hmm. and she was doing it too. She got her second degree black belt and she said, let's open our own place. Mm-hmm. And we did. And we were terrified. And when we first opened it up, we didn't have any signage. And so what we did was she went down to Kinko's or someplace and she took a bunch of Xerox letters printed letters and she blew them up into uh, massive fonts like that. And she put eight by 11 letters from your printer right up on this, on the window and stuff. And it said martial arts or Monroe County martial arts karate. And then we ended up getting a neon sign and we we had people just flooding in the door. Mm -hmm. We had explosive growth. When we originally started, we started in a small little building just north of the, uh, the place we ended up in, mm-hmm. just north of what used to be the uh, putt-putt golf course. Yep. And it was 1,100 square feet, and we outgrew it within six months. And so moved into what was our last location, which was uh, Suite 19 over there in 223 well, South Pinellas Drive. Yeah. And people st- still kept flooding in the door. There was no martial arts for children really in Bloomington. And so we based our program on children. And we said, you know, because kids are special, we specialize in kids. And it just went great guns. Now, we also taught adults, mm-hmm. as you know, and um, that adult program was doing really, really well too. And we expanded. Yep. We expanded out into other martial arts as well. That's how we took off. Speaking of other martial art, you're a seventh degree black belt in Taekwondo, a third degree black belt in modern Arnis, which for our listeners is a Filipino weapon martial art, particularly specializing in stick fighting, and also a second degree black belt in Hapkido, and also have practiced and studied many other forms of self-defense throughout the years, some boxing, a little bit of judo and wrestling. some odds and ends all over the place. Yeah, not so much boxing, judo, and uh, 
a little bit of judo. I did judo when I was in college briefly, and that's a great art. You know, it, I uh, dabbled in a lot of different martial arts, and they started coming in my school as well. We started opening up different programs. We opened up a capoeira, Brazilian martial art um, program, with a guy named Sebastião Felix, who was just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't see him often occasionally on Facebook, but we're friends to this day. And then um, we had uh, Jeet Kune Do, John Tan Jeet Kune Do, which is Bruce Lee style of martial art. We had instructors actually go out and get certified under Guru Dan and Asanto. Mm-hmm. We had other instructors get certified under Remy Presas. When Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu became really popular and stuff, we opened up a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program, a mixed martial arts program called Combat Submission Wrestling, which was taught by Sensei Eric Paulson out of California. Mm-hmm. And uh, just a Shotokan program uh, mm-hmm. came out of our school. We had Tai Chi with Randy Pardue, a local Tai Chi instructor and a good friend of mine. We became truly uh, Monroe County Martial Arts, not Monroe County Taekwondo, not Monroe County Hapkido, but Monroe County Martial Arts, a place where all different systems could come in and teach. And if we had the time for them and I trusted the instructor, if he was a good guy I got a, or a good gal, you know, I got a good sense about them. They could come in and teach if I felt that they were safe, if they were professional. And because of my time in Hawaii and my diverse exposure to different martial arts in Hawaii, when a guy came in, if he did his Kung Fu, if he did his Shotokan, if he did his, his, his martial art, I could look at it and say, yeah, this guy knows what he's talking about. So we didn't get any charlatans in there. When you were traveling around, and particularly as you were into your college and post-college years serving in the military, uh, did you ever have those opportunities to check out the local self-defense forms, ever have an opportunity to learn from someone, even just sort of check something out, get a little bit of exposure? A little bit, but very little. Um, when I was in uh, Southeast Asia and, and Northeast Asia with the Marines, we did something called a Westpac tour. And that's when you take a battalion of Marines. And I was with the 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines. We, we would float around the Pacific and stuff as a kind of a show force because this was back during the Cold War when the Soviet Union still existed and you know, communist China was still a threat. And so we would float around the Pacific, you know, on our uh, our amphibious ships and we would uh, have ports of call in different places and it was great it was great the liberty was wonderful it's called liberty when you go out you get a little time out of the town but I never really had a chance to take the time to go to a martial arts school or anything else or see anything like that because my time for such things was very brief I did see for instance we were in Thailand and I saw a Muay Thai demonstration where these guys, these ham and eggers, these, these guys were doing it for entertainment in a bar. They were sparring. They were bashing each other. And I thought, wow, that's pretty brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Little just, did we know. You know we're, just, we're sitting there watching this and going, holy cow. One of my friends tried to get me up there to fight him. I said, no. He said, oh, come on. I said, no. <laughs> so uh, I saw some of that. And then when we were in Korea, I got to talking to some Korean Marines. And they explained to me the level of their Taekwondo training. I told them I did Taekwondo. Their English was very broken, but we were able to communicate. And uh, yeah, they were showing me some of the stuff they do and everything else. It was, it was really kind of cool. It turns out that to become a lieutenant mm-hmm. in the Korean ar- Army or the Korean Marines, you have to have a black belt 
in martial arts. And to get like a staff sergeant or captain rank, you have to have like three black belts in wow. different martial arts. And Duck Lee, my instructor, had to do the same thing. He had black belts in, in judo. He had a third-degree black belt. Uh, he had a hapkido. Um, I think he got up to ninth degree eventually. But wow. when I was training under him, he was a sixth on in hapkido and a seventh on in taekwondo. And then he got promoted to ninth in both arts eventually. Yeah, he was well-schooled in the martial arts. And so they were doing cross-training long before uh, mixed martial arts came on the scene. So it's sort of funny that even then y your own, uh, you know, comrades in arms, your, your own uh, troop members wanted you to get up there and spar with the, the locals. A nickname that they gave me in the Marine Corps yeah. um, was Scotty Karate. Scotty Karate. Right? Yeah, you see, because I was very enthusiastic about martial arts even when I was in the Marine Corps. And so I ran a small little club. Mm -hmm. And about five or six Marines get together and we do Taekwondo. I teach them Taekwondo. And so everybody started calling me Scotty Karate. La, la, la. Tune in next week for part two of Alex Ashkin's chat with martial arts maven Steve Scott. Hi, folks. Michael Glab here, producer and host of Big Talk. Thanks for listening to all our programs here on WFHB your firehouse broadcasting station. Yep, you've been listening for the last year as we've grappled with a global virus pandemic. None of our producers, our show hosts, our reporters and newsreaders, nor our guests have been allowed to use our on-air studios or our recording suites since the lockdown began last March 2020. At all costs, we've kept our signal going 24 hours a day, seven days a week, despite whatever hardships the COVID crisis has thrown our way. We haven't skipped a beat, and neither have you. We'll beat this thing together, and for us at WFHB to keep it going, we need your help. It's spring 2021 fun drive time, so would you please go to WFHB.org and click on the big red donate button now. It's easy, it's secure, and it'll help more than you can imagine to keep this valuable, this treasured civic resource going full steam ahead. There's equipment to be maintained and upgraded. There are utility bills to be paid. There are salaries to pay. Business here at Firehouse Broadcasting, like life, goes on. We're keeping up, we're keeping on. Now that's not to say it's been easy for the last year plus, but it's been true. We're a dedicated group here at WFHB, and so are you, our listeners. You've stuck with us through these strange, unprecedented times, and we've rewarded you with the best quality news, public affairs, music and entertainment programming in Bloomington. Would you reward us, and yourselves, by donating during this spring fund drive? Again, just go to WFHB.org and click on the big red donate button where you can safely and securely make your contribution to the best radio station in town. We need you, and if you need us, help us by donating now. Hey,